All right, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the 4A podcast. Uh, I'm here with Brad, Stevs, and Aiden. We'll be recapping the awards for the MLB. Uh, how are you guys doing today? Hello. Hello. How's it going, everybody? Uh, so today we voted on who we thought would win manager of the year, rookie of the year, Cy Young, and MVP. We did our own little votology. We have our own notes, and we're going to break it down and discuss why we voted where and who won our awards. So if you're watching on YouTube, you'll see our lovely PowerPoint presentation with our faces for the first time. And if you're listening to the podcast app, just continue here and enjoy the episode. So starting off, we went with the uh, American League Manager of the Year. So American League this year was very top and bottom heavy. In the wildcard contention, there was really the Orioles and then the two teams that made it, and the Red Sox were way out of it. At the top, we kind of expected the Astros to be there. What did you guys think about just how the teams performed this year and what the influence those managers had on them? I think that the teams, the teams, there was a few teams that we didn't, to be so good uh the guardians being exhibit a i think the guardians were supposed to be a 500 team a lot of people were questioning whether they would even be at 500 um and honestly uh the orioles too being a team that were questioned to be at 500 or above um i think both of those managers deserve the highest praise but i did end up choosing hyde uh the orioles manager for the AL manager of the year for that reason, because they were projected to be so bad and they had been so bad and it's, he seems to have turned them around. Yeah, I agree with that. It's also like when I did my predictions for this year, I was sitting like the 60 win Orioles. We're looking here and they were above, they were, they went 84 and 78, like best record in a long time since 2017. Like Brandon Hyde did a, like he may not be the sole proprietor of their increase in performance, but you got to give credit to where credit's due, and Brendan Hyde deserves that. That was my vote as well. Aiden, what do you think about that? Um, no, I mean definitely. I think um, Hyde, you know, took those Orioles that you know weren't supposed to be, you know, in playoff contention quite yet, um, and made them into playoff contention. And I think they were, I think, a rough stretch at the end of the year from you know making it to the wild card. Um, but for my first place, I chose Dusty um, just because of how, like, well, I mean, they were the, just the simple. They were just the top seed in the AL. Um, a couple years ago, you know, he took over. He came in, tried to settle the dust, and he's doing just that. Um, and this year, you know, is a good example of, you know, what, 108 wins, I think, for a manager. I think if you get 108 wins, you deserve to, you know, at least be in the talk. So how much of that do you think is the team versus him? Because the Astros, like, they were expected to be this team. Yeah. Um, but I also think, you know, like, you have a team. But if you have a team with an awful manager, you know, I, I managing plays into that in some aspect. Even if it's not managing the game and if it's just having a team's back, you know, in the talk. Um, the guys love you. You're having fun more than being that strict, hard, you know, hard on them coach that you know, you know, only win maybe 90 games. But looks like Stevs, your pick. Uh, well, I was right there with you. I I went with Dusty. Um, it's just yeah, everyone expected Houston to be good, but um, I don't think 
I think what Dusty has done for that organization, he came in in a time of kind of turmoil, coming in right after um, all the the drama with the trash cans and all that, right? And he came in, he kind of settled it down, and, and this season I think was kind of the season where his hard work kind of paid off, and I think we, we saw it in the regular season. He had a lot of wins and as a team, and I think – that yeah, a lot of it is the players, but a lot of it's the players in every on every team, right? Like the Orioles, you you want to say Hyde did a lot of it, but what the players do on the field at the end of the day is gonna be what makes or breaks a team, and who puts out the players on the field, that's gonna be the the manager. So like the way I would counter that with the Hyde argument, it like saying that Hyde deserves it more than Dusty is that. The or he's been through like the thick of it with that Orioles team when Dusty took over. The Astros were already good, like they were still a good team. He Brandon Hyde went through the 48 and one and whatever 112 year they had, like they were worse than a replacement level team statistically. And Brandon Hyde was there for that, and now he's still here with the team. He's when they've gone through it, and he's here to coach them to show them, like, hey. We've been to battle, and now it's our turn. Yeah, yeah, no, and I definitely agree with that, and that's why I have him on my top three, definitely. Um, but you know, even though you have a good team, they were coming through one of the biggest scandals in MLB of the cheating, you know, the wires, trash cans, anything. He comes in, doesn't let that bother him, doesn't, you know, talks to team, says, "Hey, let's not, you know." And for these past, you know, whatever years, including this year and, you know, 108 wins or whatever, you know, they they haven't put that, you know, to them and, let you know, let that take them down. They've been right there. And I think that's, you know, that has to do with the manager. I feel like if you brought in a manager, a new manager, and this is his first of a, you know, job going into Houston where they just had the allegations, I don't think they do as well as Jossie has done, especially this year. I, I can see where that's coming from. Like, I do think Dusty Baker, like, is deserving of some praise for his job in stabilizing that team. It's just when he came in, he never had that direct effect of the cheating from him. He was the outside person coming in to maintain that. It would have been a different story if it was someone from within containing that issue. Yeah, I, I'd agree. I was just, you know, more saying that he kind of had to come in and just clean up the whole mess, get it back, get it straight, put them on the right path of playing, you know, if it is clean baseball. Um, but, you know, like sweeping it up, letting them play clean baseball, getting them back on their feet um, and pushing them in, especially this season. All right. So are we ready to see who the winner is? Yeah. All right, so your 2022 American League Manager of the Year is Brennan Hyde. Shocking. <laughs> he he deserves it. Like, he was there when it was the worst. Like, this Orioles team was horrible, and this year they finally came back. You know, like, it's very – there's a lot to point out. Like, the analytics taking over there, funny enough, Astros, like a lot of the Astros front office is now with the Orioles – like the analytics helping the pitching and, you know, stars rising like Adley Rutschman, especially the rookies this year, like their rookies had a great role with Brandon Hyde guiding them the way. So if you want to see our vote breakdown, 
this is how the votes they came out. Brandon Hyde won with 16 points. Dusty Baker, 13. Scott Service was actually right there with Dusty Baker with 12. And then Francona and Cash, he's getting a couple points of their own. Uh, anything out in here surprise you guys? Yeah, I would say I would say Francona just because this is this is a team. I mean, I'll say it a million times. Uh, my grandpa's a Guardians fan, so I I, I ride with them. But th- this team was not supposed to be good. This team was in fact supposed to be a below five hundred team, and they definitely brought in a lot of young players and kind of surprised the whole league. And I mean, they went on a little bit of a run, but they didn't go too far in the playoffs. But the fact that they finished above five hundred and won the division is is bizarre. Uh, and I think Francona was a big part of that. Yeah, I'm right there with Tom. In all honesty, I had I had Francona at two. Um, I I I do agree. I think Hyde did very good, and in this season, I do think he definitely deserves to win it. Um, but I think all three of those the managers that we the Francona, Hyde, and and Dusty were all kind of are all pretty similar, right? They're all very good in, in their own respects, and that, but. Francona has led this kind of young team and it's, it, it was the youngest in the postseason this year. And, and he led them through the regular season and put them in, in good situations to win. And they played very well in the playoffs, but, um, and they fell short in the playoffs, but it, I, I think Francona deserves to be talked about more. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think I would, I would personally bring up Kevin Cash of not somebody I would bring up, but more maybe bring down. I'm kind of surprised, you know, he got a um a vote. Um, just because um, it's like, I don't, I, I don't know. I just he's one of those guys that you know you kind of have a a reasoning for all, you know, all four. Um, and then Kevin Cash, who was, I mean, the lower end of the, you know, of the six that we probably have here. I think if you're, if you're looking split results, then yes, I think it's easy to say Kevin Cash was a bit of a disappointment. But yeah. I think what he was dealt with this team that he dealt with this season, he really, the Tampa Bay Rays on paper, I mean, every year, and especially this year, were, were lacking in talent. Um, sure, there was a lot of stars in that lineup, but they were hurt most of the year. There's a lot of injuries you had to deal with, and to to keep a team moving, like I mean, this is a guy who's proved year after year that he's he's he knows what he's doing and he deserves a spot there. I, I don't think that you can say after after a first round exit in the playoffs and uh, not winning the division that that he's a bad manager and that he didn't. Deserve- no, 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 and 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 I would I wouldn't say that, but the Rays almost always, you know, they're kind of known for having these iffy teams um that you know they go to the playoffs but this team in my opinion kevin cash has had better teams um and like better records and it's sorry not not better teams but just better records like all the teams have kind of been these lower end players you know making a bigger name out of them um but i felt like this one had a little more star power um and more names than we're kind of used to for the race See, I disagree with you there because Wander Franco was out for a majority of the year. Like you look at their oh, well, starting, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, you have you have injuries, and I, and obviously, with, but like I'm talking like a fully like healthy team. I would say no. Had more he had rising. at most like at, it, during the thick of the season, they had 16 people on the IL. Like Kevin Cash, their starting rotation was Shane McClanahan, Drew Rasmussen, Corey Kluber, and insert. Phil starter here like Jeffrey Springs in the end like he was good but 
before the season, who the hell is Jeffrey Springs? Like you have these people who we don't know. That's kind of the Rays, like their thing. But Glassnow was out the whole year, and that's a huge blow to the Tampa Bay Rays. And Kevin Cash was able to manage that bullpen and manage that starting rotation throughout the whole year and still get them into a playoff spot. Yeah, but I, I just feel like that's Kevin Cash for you, you know? Like, Kevin Cash is going to find a way to get his team to, you know, make the playoffs. Yeah. But. And so, like, looking at getting to the playoffs, we move to our National League Manager of the Year. Um, I thought here that, like, the National League Managers were really good this year. You had Buck Showalter who came in. And he finally got that Mets team to the playoffs. He like he glued them together finally. I think there is some help from Max Scherzer there. You had Bob Melvin who got the Padres to a winning record in a 162 game season. You had Rob Thompson that got them into the playoffs. Like there were some good managers here this year. What do you guys think? I think I think that that Showalter was was definitely the solution for the Mets. Uh, I think ha- halfway through the season, while the Mets were in a great position, no one actually thought the Mets would pull through. Um, we all thought the Mets were going to met. They were going to choke that they were going to lose. And they did. They did. But I think we all thought they would lose a chance at the playoffs. And I think for that reason, th- their, their dominance kind of lasted throughout the whole season up until the very, very end. Um, Rob Thompson comes in in a trash situation. This, this Phillies team really was struggling at the time of his arrival. And he also turned them around. Uh, and I think that was a huge impact on the, the whole team chemistry and everything around it. And Bob Melvin in my third place spot, um, I got to give it to him just because the Padres have never been a team that keeps momentum going. They really struggle with that. Uh, we saw that last year. They had burnout. This year they tried to burn out a couple of times, but they managed to pull through and they made it to the NLCS, which is crazy. But that's not something we're taking into consideration. And for that reason, I chose Buck Showalter because he led the Mets, who weren't necessarily thought of to be like the team, and and led them to a 100 win season. Uh, yeah, no, I um, personally, I for the first, uh, for first place, I had um, Rob Thompson, um, Thompson, just because I look at where the Phillies were; they were, I believe, below 500. Jordy had nothing on him, and then, you know, you bring up, you call up, you know, bring him up, you know, he's been with the team forever, you know, you bring up Rob, um, and he kind of just takes that team to, I mean, what it is now, and I know we're only looking at the regular season, um, so third place, but, so, you know, making the playoffs after that start um, is incredible. Obviously, you know, we can't look at postseason, but what ha- what he has done in the postseason um, has also been, you know, really um, incredible. But that's why I had. Um, I had so I was I was right there with Aiden again. Um, I had Rob Thompson. I do like Buck Showalter. He was my pick at the beginning of the year, who I thought was going to win Manager of the Year. But I just think, yeah, he managed them to a, a great season. And when Tom says the Mets are going to met, right? I, they did, right? They fell out of the the they didn't win the the NL East and they fell out in the first in the wild card. Um you really they couldn't have fallen out of the wild card completely because the Phillies made it. So if they dropped under the Phillies, they still would have made it, right? Um it, uh, I do I do like what Buck Buck Showalter did there um in in New York, but I just I can't give it to him when what the Met the Mets 
collapse the collapse that the Mets had, right? Um, so I had I had Rob Thompson winning. What he did for the Phillies coming in um, after after Girardi was fired, and he he really picked up the pieces and put this team back together and put them on the right path. And I think he's definitely deserving of manager of the year. I definitely think he's deserving of some credit to it, but you have to recognize the fact that the Phillies, like they played a game of who can lose less with the Brewers. It wasn't who could win more. It was who could lose less. And that's how they made it into the postseason. I think you guys are also calling the Mets collapse. It wasn't that the Mets played 95 win baseballs once like when they had that 10 game lead on the Braves, they played 95 win baseball for the rest of the year. The thing was the Braves played 114 win baseball in that stretch and the Braves caught up. The Mets didn't collapse. They played good baseball and Buck Showalter got them to play through the entire season. You forget this is a hundred win team. Like, I understand they didn't win the division, and I understand their wildcard fortunes weren't great, but Buck Showalter managed to get this Mets team that faltered and barely made it through last season, and he got it to be a 100-win team. So that's why my vote fell with him. And my second-place vote was Bob Melvin. Um, I think Bob Melvin, he... You looked at the difference between last year's Padres team and this year's. Like, first of all, obviously, like, one of them had Tatis, one didn't last year, and that was the team that was below 500. This year, this team is a mid-80s win team or high-80s win team who, you know, they're going to give you a hard time because of that pitching rotation. But they had so many opportunities, the Tatis suspension, as you guys mentioned, to fall apart. They had injuries happen throughout the year, and they stayed in it. And I think Bob Melvin has a lot to do with that. Uh, I definitely agree. I do. I do. I did like Bob Melvin. He was he was on my ballot. Um and I, I did I, I do like what he did with the Padres. They did trade for superstars, right? They traded for Soto, they got Bell, they got Josh Hader. And I think that definitely helped. But I think Bob Melvin did a very good job at at keeping this team on track. And they did end up getting to the the championship series in the NL, which I think is even more credit to him. Yeah, no, um, I mean I personally I had Bob Melvin at number two as well. Um, I think mainly for the fact of what he did um, without, I mean, going into the season, it's kind of, I mean, you have the, you have the star pieces, but like that, like, like almost angel at the top would, you know, be taught tease. Like that's how, like, he's one of these, you know, I, I'd say one of these three superstars with him, Acuna and Soto to be the faces of the MLB and to ha- be without him, you know, for this basically the whole season, um, and still do what he did, I think is um crazy. And I mean, I think we didn't do one, but I think if we did have an executive, um, an executive over the year, it, you know, in the top three, it would definitely be um the Padres uh, GM. That's fair. All right, so you've heard our spiel's, and now to reveal manager of the year. In the National League, it's Rob Thompson. Um, we look at our voting distribution. Rob Thompson beat out Bob Melvin by three votes with 17. Melvin had 14, and Buck Showalter had 13. Brian Snitker getting an errant vote. <laughs> um, Stavs, do you want to explain that Snitker vote? Uh, I I gave it to Snicker just because he did end up winning the NL East, and that was one of the toughest divisions to win this year. Um, 
uh, he pushed past, and he did. He, he there was a lot that the Braves had. Um, I think it it definitely just came down to it was Showalter or it was it was Snicker, and it could have gone either way. Um, in my eyes, and I think Snicker just just. I think the NL East win pushed him pushed him over, in my eyes. And then Tom, what do you think about this? I I don't know if you can. If this is a conversation about managers, not team success. I I think Stevs that Brian Snicker had the much more talented and much more like I would say have better chemistry. They've been playing together for a lot longer. I'll than give this you. Thing. I'll give you the chemistry. So I, I'm saying that I think Showalter's a better manager in the sense that he's done virtually exactly what Snicker did, except for win the division, obviously. But that was that's a one-game difference that we're talking. So I, okay. I don't know. I, I think at the beginning of the season, I predicted the Braves to win the East, and they ended up winning the East but by one game. And the fact that the Mets put up such a good fight with a relatively new team, like new team in the sense of signing a bunch of free agents, uh, a lot of a lot of new changes to the team chemistry. It, it's hard to immediately see success from that, and they were well, somehow. Well, I, I can see that, but at the same time, if you're paying what I think the Mets have the second highest payroll, you kind of expected them to, and not necessarily win the division, um, and obviously they put up a really good fight. But I think they had it for so long that you almost kind of expected them to just keep that push they and just should have had keep, it. keep rolling. And I think they should have had it, you know, because they're kind of going up. And then they, I mean, it's it wasn't even that big of like a a decline because they didn't really decline, like Brad said. They kind of just went up and then they kind of just like coasted towards the finish line where the Braves never really stopped. But, the, I mean, the Mets had, I think, like I just said, the second highest payroll only behind the Dodgers. They had the highest and, payroll. Did they have yeah? So they had the highest payroll, um, in baseball. I can't really, you can't really say, oh, because they're all new to each other. Like I mean, that's still, again, the highest payroll, and you had all season, and you know, spring training and the off season. You know, I, other teams had really big free agent signings, and I think they did more with. Well, I can see that, Brad. What, what do you think about? Because I'm curious what you got to say on that. So. I think that we do have a little bit of bias in the fact that we're voting in the postseason and we can see what the Phillies have done. And yeah. I think that really magnifies what Rob Thompson but, did. But everyone's every even even now the voters will vote in the postseason, so they will have like they'll, they'll yeah, have I the feel same, like they'll I have the like, same biases, right? Yeah, I feel like Seth is on to something like they can all say, okay, we're only looking at regular season. But voters but like, vote the say... day after the season ends. Do they actually? Yes. Okay. All votes are submitted the day after the season ends. But it comes <laughs> out now? Yeah. Tom, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. So, so now, going on to Brad, what's next? Uh, we Come have all? American League Rookie of the Year. Woo! Okay. So... With this, it was it was down to two people. Like there are some really, really good seasons on the outside. Like Felix Bautista, great rookie campaign. Johan Duran, just hear me out here. He had the highest championship win probability added of any American League player besides Aaron Judge. Like I know that's a weird stat to bring up, 
But I think that's something really impressive to see out of a rookie reliever in a bullpen. Like, props to him. But it comes to the three top horses in my eyes. Like, Bobby Witt, good season. It comes down to Stephen Kwan, Adley Rutschman, Julio Rodriguez. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, no, um, as I'm looking at it right now, I think most of us really had um, a similar one, two, three. Um, and, uh, I mean, I think just Julio um, at number one for me is kind of a, a no-brainer. I mean, you did have a really, uh, a really, really tough fight by Adley. Uh, you know, making it closer than I think we all thought because Adley played, I think, less time. I believe, you know, a lot less time. Um, and Julio, did he did he finish the twenty twenty? I think he uh, did. Right? He got twenty twenty. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, twenty twenty in the rookie season, um, kind of jolted that uh, Mariners offense. Without him, they kind of looked a little sluggish, um, especially you know to. I don't know. I feel like he kind of gave that team um, the energy it needed. He was always there. Um, so I'm thinking more of on the side of, I don't want to say like chemistry, but like he gave him energy. And in that 2020, obviously, is. I think you're really discrediting how good that Mariners team was. Eugenio uh, Suarez had a great season. Cal Rally was good. Uh, Julio Rodriguez, like big impact. He played an okay center field. But it really, like, he didn't make or break that team. There were so many horses on that team that were good. Like, Julio Rodriguez added a little bit to that, but he was not this make or break of the Mariners offense that you say he is. I think Adley Rutschman, if you look at him compared to Julio Rodriguez, he played, or he, Adley Rutschman had 398 at-bats. Julio Rodriguez had 511. Fangraphs rates them out evenly in F4. Baseball reference favors Julio Rodriguez a little bit, but that also favors Fangraphs is more prone to favoring you know, more plate appearances, something like that. Or, sorry, baseball reference favors more plate appearances, something like that. Quality over plate appearances. So, by that same theory, if Adley Rutschman had had that same amount of plate appearances, his baseball reference war would have shown up to be exactly the same. Now, now here's a quick question. Do you think if they swapped roles, like, like just swapped teams, no. Do you think Baltimore would have made the playoffs? No, because Cedric Mullins was a fantastic center fielder. Well, obviously, you know, you you'd play. I don't know Julio and DH like, left right or whatever. But do you think? Yeah, like just his bat on there probably. Yeah, like like do you think his bat would 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 have led him to the playoffs? No, because I think you would have lost Adley Rutschman, who when Adley Rutschman debuted in the middle of May, I believe it was around May twentieth, the Orioles to the rest of the season were the best team in the American League East. That didn't happen for the Mariners with Julio Rodriguez coming up at the beginning of the year. They were at no point in the season that best team in the American League West. The American League West, a less competitive division than the American League East, where Adley Rushman brought the Orioles to the to fourth place, borderline a playoff spot, where he caught when he was the only productive catcher, Robinson Trinos graded out as the worst framing catcher in all of baseball. So we have to, we have to add that into there. And for Adley Rushman to be catching two out of three, three out of four days produce offensively as a switch hitter. That is something that I believe is more valuable than a center fielder who is going to be one of the faces of baseball. I don't disagree with that, but I think Adley Rushman was more valuable than Julio Rodriguez. Stuff. Uh, I, 
I honestly agree with Brad. I think I think Adley was more valuable, but I don't. Th- this is a individual award, right? It's not like a like uh, MVP, right? You, like, but like MVP, right? You kind of do have to weigh in how valuable they were to the team, the team success, stuff like that. Ricky, the you don't have to do that, right? It's more just pri- primarily focused on the player and what they I do. Yeah, it's I more guess open you, to your you, definition you, of MVP, though. And I, yeah, well, I, I, that's, I feel, fair. I that's fair. Like, that's fair. Yeah, but I feel like you can have. You can have a rookie of the year on the worst team in the league, but you can't have an MVP on the worst team in the league. Yes, you can. Mike Trout's won it three times. Yeah, Yeah, but the the Angels aren't the worst team in the league. They're one of the worst. They are less Miami Marlins. You have Sandy Alcantara competing for the Cy Young. But but, but it's not – it's like if you look at like hitting, they just need pitching. Like, yeah. Um, Um, I'm going to – I'm going to have to pick J-Rod. I mean, you don't have a guy that, first of all, didn't play in every game this season. I mean, I know most players don't, um, but he missed 30 games this season. And I can confidently say that if he played that those 30 extra games, he would have hit a 30-30 season in his rookie season, which has only been done, I think, three times. I don't know the exact yeah. number, but that's just not something that happens. Mix that in. He's probably going to be competing for a gold glove, too. He's 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 – a full package. He's a five tool. Uh, I don't know about that because his fan his fan graphs defense grades out slightly negative. Yeah, I, I he's not like he's not like a like a Kevin Kiermaier type, but like he's definitely someone I would want to have in my center field. He's he covers a lot of ground, um, and I think that also weighs into the defense. You know, someone slower won't have those negative attributes. Um, a lot of, a lot of that goes into the statistics. Um, like a slower person. Aiden, let me explain this to you. If a slower person, if they don't get, they don't get the ball, they won't get counted as an error. But if someone super fast gets to that ball, that wouldn't be contested by someone slower. It would be counted as an error. So it, it weighing those things in, someone that can cover a lot of ground, um, it's a lot. It's a lot more valuable. And the, and the thing I'm really talking about is the bat here. This guy hits for power. He's hit. Something around 284. I mean, this guy and he's fast on the bases too. I mean. If if there was a if there was a um a redraft for the MLB, I I think for this for this draft class only for this draft class and you had to draft all these rookies. I think the first rookie to go would be Julio Rodriguez just because of his value. I I think that having a a, a fast a fi- having a five tool center fielder on your team is is the best thing you can have over a, even over a catcher. So you mentioned that he graded out better offensively than Rushman. And if you look at weighted on base average, Woba, it's kind of like, for those that don't know, it's the best version of on base percentage because it's saying that a single is not two times less valuable than a double. It actually weights them based on how much run probability they add on this thing called the expected run matrix. And so it's basically saying that like a walk is 0.72, a single's around 1.2, a doubles 1.9, not an actual two, and it grades it on that scale. So Julio Rodriguez's WOBA was 366, and Adley Rushman was 354. There's a little bit of an increase for Julio Rodriguez. And the thing I want to look at is the expected WOBA. I know expected stats can more more explain what's going to happen in the future, but they're good to look at look back and see, okay, 
this is what the guy actually did, but this is kind of what he was supposed to be. And Julio Rodriguez actually drops almost 30 points in his WOBA, to his expected WOBA at 337, where Rushman increases to a 342 better than Julio Rodriguez. That's out of a catcher. Yeah, I mean, this is this is interesting because I know I know advanced statistics will tell you that Adley's better, and I think that I think that they're right there with each other. I'm not. I'm really. I really hate picking a side here because I'm I'm an Adley supporter. But another really important thing is sample size. And if had Adley started at the beginning of the season, we'd probably be able to see more of Adley and more of the his potential. But in the sample size, we got to see we were looking at someone that is extremely valuable. And honestly, if he had played the whole season, he probably would have won the award. But I think the, the, the main, the main thing that sets people apart, sets, sets players apart is the, the big stat, counting stats. The ones that aren't necessarily like advanced stats, like home runs, doubles, RBI. And I, I know that Adley hits more doubles, but he doesn't, he doesn't hit the long ball that often. He gets on base a ton, which I don't know. This, this could go either way. I, I'm literally, I'm literally creating arguments for both sides in my head, and I cannot make up my mind on this one. But I, I think just the fact that Julio was close to a 30-30, I don't know. I think that, that that's the decider for me. Yeah, uh, real fast. Stubbs, what did you, what did you have? So as I was saying, um, I it it is it's really it's really one A and one B. I if you could give the word to both of them, I think both of them deserve it, and I don't think anyone would really argue with it. Um, but I went with I went with Julio Rodriguez as well. Um, I just think what he did for the Mariners is is it, it's a culture changer, right? Like Adley on the Orioles, yeah, it's cool. He he they there's a whole new energy there, but. The energy around Julio Rodriguez and in, in, in center field is 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 just something you can't explain, right? It's just it's amazing. His his the stats are there for both of them. Everything else is there for both of them. The tangibles are there, but Julio Rodriguez is just in on another planet, in my opinion. Yeah. All right. Well, then, um, I think with three first place votes, I think we have a American League Rookie of the Year winner. Julio Rodriguez, American League Rookie of the Year. Um, I'm I'm not I surprised think, by this. Like, I yeah. think this is what is actually going to happen. But I think Adley Rushman deserves more credit than he's getting right now. Oh, I'm upset. I I think I think Seb said it right. Actually, it's kind of one A and one B. Yeah, I mean, 1917, Um, no, I definitely think Stubbs, you know, said it actually perfectly. Is one A, one B. I think Julio is like probably like a smidge higher, um, but it, it could go either way. Um, Tom, you voted for I, Bobby Witt Jr. over Stephen Kwan. I think I meant to click that one. I'm not going to lie. I filled this out and I don't remember clicking Bobby Witt, um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to argue for him, okay? I'm going to argue. I think this guy resembles Mike Trout as, at shortstop. He has an oddly similar swing. He's going to hit for power. He's going to, he's, I, I'm convinced that in his career, he's going to be more valuable than Stephen Kwan. Um, but this year alone, talking about statistics, yes, Stephen Kwan is a better player. But no, I, I totally see that. Someone that's going to hit a 30 30 season in the next two years, maybe even a 40 40. This guy is extremely fast and yeah. has a lot of, so I, I don't, yeah, that's my, that's and, my take. Uh, I didn't, I didn't see much of, um, with this season. <clears throat> is he a, at least a, Good defender. 
He's solid. Like, solid. like a lot I, of this I, I did, rookie class can play good yeah. defense. Like Steven Quad yeah. is a sure, like he's a right end for left field gold glove. Adley Rutschman, if he had more time behind the plate, probably competing for that gold glove for catchers. But that's yeah. the thing with the American League catchers is that so many of them are defensive oriented that it's going to be more difficult for him to stand out as a defensive star. Yeah. All right. Well, moving now, I'm assuming to NL Rookie of the Year. Again, another <laughs> another two horse race. Uh, we got Spencer Strider and Michael Harris the second, uh, or Michael Harris two, excuse me. This it's a really different clash here because you have two people who came up in the middle of the year, and you oh Spencer Strider had been up the whole year. He started in the bullpen and then he transitioned to a starter. I personally think this is the most even race out of anything we have. I think this is even more even than the American League Rookie of the Year because there's two very – because in the American League, we can compare position players. Here we're comparing a pitcher and a center fielder. A center fielder who's playing the Braves' best center field since Andrew Jones in the 1990s, who's hitting for power. He's running well. Like Michael Harris, he got the eight-year $72 million extension, and he got Spencer Strider, the fastest pitcher (laughs) – to 200 strikeouts in a season like this. And they're all the same team. They're on the same team. I hate the Braves. <laughs> Spoken yeah, like so, a true Nats yep, fan. Yep. Signing them cheap. Um, if you don't mind, I'll start off because I'm the only one who actually went with uh, Michael Harris. Uh, I think everybody else went with Strider. Um, I mean, to be honest, he hit amazingly. <laughs> Um, but on top of that, he played. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and say it, Brad. Correct me if I'm wrong. He played elite defense. Oh, he did. I I mean I mean he's like you said, Andy Jones. But I mean that was one of the best defensive rookie seasons. I mean we've seen. I swear every time I turned on the TV, you know, once a week or whatever, he's there making a diving catch, a good throw, a you know a, a leaping grab, a, a robbing a home run. So I think just. Playing elite defense while batting really good, I, it just put, put him over the edge um, for me. But Strider is definitely number two for me. It, it, just like the AL one A one B. Yeah, I think I think these two these two are so close to each other that third place is probably like eight level nine. I mean, you really yeah that. Yeah. Um, I chose Strider for um, rookie of the year just because. When, when you think about it, these are two different positions. This is starting position. This is a pitcher, and this is a position player. You can you can argue Strider for Cy Young. He's not going to win, but you can argue him for Cy Young. But you can't argue Michael Harris for MVP. I don't. And think I know that's a fair comparison. Yeah, it's, yeah. What about like yeah. Silver. I mean, I don't know. What's the what's the equivalent to the Cy Young? Uh, you don't. You don't really. I, I feel like you don't really have one. It's not like there's like an outfielder of of the year award, you know. Um, I mean, I I feel like it's much harder to win MVP than um Cy Young because you can win Cy Young, but that doesn't mean you win MVP too. Even yeah. though there are some parties in that Be- conversation. Being the best at your position, I mean, when you're the best pitcher in the league, you win Cy Young. When you're the best player in the league, you win MVP. I mean, it's possible yeah. for a pitcher to be, but you, you know what I'm saying. I, I think yeah. conversation to be one of the best pitchers in the game right now. Michael Harris in the NL is probably 
in the top 15 players, you know, and it's, it's, it's easier to argue Strider for one of the best pitchers in the league than Harris for the best player position player. in the league. Yeah. yeah. So that reason I chose Strider. I mean, this is just two extremely dominant seasons from both players. It's, it's close, but I think you have to give it to Strider. Um, but I'm curious what you got to say, Stavs. What do you got to say on this one? Um, I want to try to too. Um, it's just like he pitched. How many innings did he pitch? He pitched 131.2. Yeah, and he had a he had a 2.67 ERA, which I know isn't Brad's favorite stat, but it is something that has to you have to talk about, right? Um, I, I do also agree with Tom's point. Strider is within the top, within a higher echelon of pitchers this year, right? Than Harris was within center fielders or, or position players or whatever you want to say, right? I think that has a lot to say about it. And I think Strider was just kind of, I do agree. I don't think it was as 1A, 1B as Aiden is saying, but I think it was kind of one, it, it was one, two, I, I, in my opinion. But I did go with Strider. I just, I like what he did on the mound for the Braves. And he kind of was kind of a, it felt kind of like a spark plug in there in their rotation when they need a kind of a staple. I also just like the personality of Spencer Strider. Like Spencer Strider is like a guy. Is it like, do you get that? Like Spencer Strider is a character on the mound, like Quadzilla going to come in, be a little cocky in his press conference, (laughs) but it's going to be fun. And something that's very simple to look at, like it's very difficult to cross compare a pitcher stats with a player stats. Um, because the thing I like to look at, everyone doing that is like win probability added. Um, and Spencer Strider, he added more simply than Michael Harris. Um, I also think it's easier for a starting pitcher to take over a game. And there are plentiful examples of Spencer Strider just taking over the game compared to Michael Harris, where he may hit a home run or two, but there's still, or steal a big base, make a big defensive play but there's still so much more that has to happen around him where I'm still just going to be more prone to pick a pitcher over a player. Yeah, no. Um, yeah. And um, so I do want to add, sorry, I do want to add real quick. Tomorrow is Spencer Strider's birthday. Hey, I just wanted to say that. Thank you. Chefs. Happy Spencer day. Happy Spencer um, day. No, but I think we had, uh, you three had um, Spencer at number one. Um, and then I had, um, Michael Harris, and then vice versa. I had Michael. Uh, I had started at two. You guys had uh, Michael Harris at two, and number three. We kind of split up a little. Um, I believe I personally went with a thirty-year-old rookie, Joey Manessis. Hey, hold on, Aiden. Let's let's let Brad go through his slides real quick. Oh, okay. Uh, without further ado, your NL oh, rookie of the year, Spencer well, yeah. Schreider. Yeah, it, it, I mean, when we have th- when you have three to one, I thought it was kind of a. Uh, it is, a clear, but, but you got you got you got it. <laughs> there we yeah. go. So it was close, like same voting distribution as Rutschman versus Julio, um, nineteen seventeen Strider to Harris, and then we had three. We had three unique players go for third place. Uh, Aiden, you were getting into the third year old rookie. Yeah, no, I just, I mean, what he did um, is crazy. I mean, the whole season he played, I don't believe he went under a 300 batting average. Um, And he played in, what, 45 games, 50 games, something like that. Um, 
he gave the Nats the first walk off. Um, even though that's more like a a sad stat. Um, but no, I mean, at thirty years old, all that time in the minor leagues to come up and bat the way he did, I, he definitely deserves a spot on the team next year, and I think he will. Yeah. Um. I mean, I also voted Joey Manessis in third place. Mine was simply the Nats traded away Juan Soto and the guy that replaced him played better. Um, <laughs> I found that kind of funny. I didn't think the National League rookie pool was as strong as the American League's outside of the mm-hmm. top two. Um, I think the other two players here, like Stevs, Tom, I'll talk about them in a second. I think they had respectable rookie seasons. Like they're going to be good MLB players. It's just not nothing really stood out to me. That's why I think getting the 30 year old rookie some like recognition while he's going <laughs> to be here is is necessary. You know, real quick before Tom says go, does anybody know the favorite to win in the um in the NL before the season? Uh, before the season, probably yeah, Suzuki. Like probably was Seiya. Suzuki. It was either yeah, it was probably I think I think it was. Yeah, because he was coming in. He was coming in as kind of more of a mature type of guy, right? Coming out of Japan. Yeah, Stubbs. Who was your first? Well, so I I did go with uh, Seiya Suzuki. Um, I just I like what he did in Chicago. Um, he batted two sixty two. Um, none none again. Like Brad said, none of the stats kind of were were really eye popping. Um, to me in any one way, I did. I did look at Manessas, but it's just, I don't feel like he played long. Like he obviously played long enough to be considered as a rookie, but I don't think he played long enough to, for me to vote for him in the top three of rookie of the year. That's, that's kind of where I differentiated that. Yeah. And to build on that, I, I think that I'm, I'm very fond on, especially for these awards, you need to have a good sample size. You could have someone, I mean, I'm someone like for the, games of the season i like to look at the leaders and average and everything i'm like oh man they're batting 800 that's crazy it's been 10 games you know you're here for 40 games you're amazing but can you keep that up for 162 straight you don't have to do that obviously but you know keep it up for most of the season it's it's tough to it's tough to vote for someone that hasn't proven it long enough uh and i think that Vernon donovan isn't the most flashy player of all time uh, i i will i will admit that but he was someone who stayed consistent and played a lot of baseball this season um and for that reason i think i had to vote him as my third and it wasn't the most interesting player but uh it was someone definitely consistent uh is brad back yeah yet? yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm here. No, sorry um, i, I was uh, in a leak no no uh real fast uh, joey manassas actually had 56 games played um that's actually more than i I I, th- I thought it was around fifty, so yeah, that makes sense. that's not terrible. Yeah, but it it's the, just yeah. again, it's still I I just need a bigger sample size for me to to consider him top three. I'll give him top five. I I do agree. I think he top five is 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 the. I, I think I think for Joey, since he is thirty, it'll be interesting to see what he does next year. Assuming he plays, um, I don't know if he'll be in Washington next year. I'm gonna be honest. He's a free agent, so he is a free agent. Yeah. Um, well, so they could resign up. him to a so he def- quick. Yeah, no, they could resign. He will him. not be in Washington next year. He no, will go I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him get that one year offer, and then if he's doing good up the deadline, they try and flip him to contender. If if yeah. something like that, we do every but, year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Next up. 
Uh, we have the American League Cy Young Award. And honestly, this award, it's really interesting to me. Um, this is our third highest contended award, like most unique people getting votes. It also happened to be one of the ones where we had five votes. Uh, for a quick explanation, we were able to vote for five people. First place, we get five votes. Second place, fourth, four points, etc. All the way down to fifth place, getting one point. So that does open the door for more possible points and more possible people to get recognition. And something that was just really nice about the American League was I didn't think there was a clear-cut winner. I think there were clear-cut favorites, but there are just so many quality seasons in the American League. Like when I'm looking at the sheet that that I made to like filter out when I, when I look to filter out pitchers, anything of that nature, um, I had 14 people that could be in the conversation of getting Cy Young votes. That doesn't mean winning. It's just in the conversation. Um, we had like breakout seasons such as like Nestor Cortez, Christian Javier, Shane McClanahan. We had the return of Shane Bieber, Martin Perez having his career year, Johnny Cueto at 37 coming in for the White Sox. Garrett Cole like is going to be there. But I think my top five, not in any particular order, Verlander, Cease, Manoa, Otani, and Class A. I will get into my order in a little bit, but what were your guys' thoughts? Um, I love how you put Class A. That's all I got to say first. Um, but I believe I believe we had a very similar top five. I think uh, my top five consists of uh, Verlander, Cease, McClanahan, Shohei, and Class A. And I, I honestly want to go more into – ordering when we actually see the results for the points so we can all talk about who we voted for in that order um but right now we should all just talk about who makes that top five and those are my players uh Aiden, you want to take it from here yeah no um looking at the spreadsheet three out of us had Verlander as the number one um including me i i mean i just how 37 Am I, is that right uh yes 39 39 Th- Man, I was giving him some credit. 39 years old and doing what he did this season. I mean, I think that's just I I I think that just, you know, recaps it all for me. Um, Tom. Um, yeah, I mean, this is yeah, this is this was I, I remember over the course of the season, I mean, there were just these periods where we would text each other saying, This person is the clear cut MVP. I mean, Cy Young, and then the next week it would be a different one. And it was mainly juggling between Verlander, Cease, and McClanahan the whole season. But then injuries started plaguing them, and then even more names started showing up, like Shohei Manoa, and it, it just continued to change. Um, and, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it in a second. But, Stennis, give me, give me your top five right now. My top five went uh, Verlander, Cease, Valdez, McClanahan, and Manoa. I really <laughs> like Valdez, and I think he had a great season that we are underrating personally. But other than that, obviously Verlander, Verlander and Cease, I feel are one two in my opinion. Um, I think Verlander edges Cease uh, in multiple ways. Um, but yeah, that's what kind of where I'm at. Yeah, yeah, no, what's that? I know. Um, real quick, go back on Verlander. Um, adding somewhere, I know Brad doesn't, you know, particularly like uh, ERA. Um, but to be eighteen and four with a one seventy five ERA for the whole season. At 39, I think it's just incredible. It's 175 um, innings, too. Yeah. So, um, but going on it, Brad. 
So I was the one that didn't vote for Justin Verlander. <laughs> and I didn't Where vote for Dylan Cease. And I didn't vote for Alec Manoa. My Cy Young vote was Shohei Otani. And I know that's like, why the guy with the least amount of innings out of your final six? I'm going to put Valdez was my number six. I think Class A edged him out just a little bit. Uh, the quality of relieving was just so high. You couldn't hit Emmanuel Classe. It's so difficult when you're getting 101 mile an hour cutters, either moving away from you or breaking your bat. Um, he He's just good. Like, if I have a save situation or even like a high leverage situation and I need to put someone out there, I'm picking Emmanuel Classe. And I think that's a really fair statement to make. I went with Shohei Otani over Justin Verlander, Dylan Cease, and Alec Manoa. Alec Manoa led them in innings. But I think Alec Manoa was just a little, like a tier below. Something that I really like to look at is a thing called CSW percentage, which is called strike plus whiff rate. It's telling you how often the pitcher will get a called strike or produce a swing and miss on his pitches. The two people with the lowest of that five were Justin Verlander and Alec Manoa. The highest one was Shohei Otani. He also plays to FIP the best of any of them. Justin Verlander and his pretty interchangeable. They're, his war, Justin Verlander's on fan graphs, very interchangeable. But the thing that broke it for me was the independent dominance. Shohei Otani striking out 11.8 people per inning compared to 9.5 for Justin Verlander with his skill independent ERA, which is like more focused on your quality of contact. It's a quality of contact version of fielding independent pitching. And Otani beat him by 36, like 0.36. The innings for me are a complete wash. They had the same number of starts. They both started 28 games. Verlander threw 175 innings to show you Otani's 166. For me, that's a wash. As long as Shohei qualified, that's a wash. And he did qualify, and he edges out Verlander, who was my number two. Like I will admit, great season. I just think Otani as the individual was better in his sample than Justin Verlander. Yeah, I mean, I also feel like you can't really look at um, the amount of losses. Um, and I know that's kind of like a, um, a non, like that high of a factor. Um, but I also feel like going to Bugs, um, you know, number one is Shohei. I feel like if you put Shohei on the Astros, it's the record begins to look a lot more like Verlander. The I think maybe even the ERA goes down a tiny bit. Yeah, like he he was someone that didn't outperform his expected ERA, which is very common. Like it's very yeah. difficult to outperform your expected ERA. Normally, that's someone of an Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler, who's just playing to a bad defense. And the Angels' defense was fine. The Astros' defense was really good. Yeah, um, yeah, and that's going to benefit Verlander there. I think Dylan Cease and Alec Manoa had good seasons, but we can get into that in a second when we see the distribution. Do you guys have any final things to see say before we see who won the American League Cy Young Award? No, I think it's pretty yeah. quick. So go ahead. Justin Verlander takes home the Cy Young Award. Um, you know, he did have a comeback year. Like, there's a good story behind it. But I still got to say Shohei Otani was better in my eyes. And this is our voting breakdown. Um, Question. Do we think, do we think Verlander is ever going to slow down? I think this dude might be part robot. 
No, he would. I think <laughs> what gets neglected was Verlander was good throughout the 2010s, but this is better than he was then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's, he's only getting better by age. He's like wine. Um, and so our voting distribution for those on the podcast who aren't seeing this, Justin Verlander wins with 19 votes. Dylan Cease in second place with 14. Shane McClanahan in third with nine, which I found really interesting because Shane McClanahan and Shoei Otani actually got the same amount of innings. It was just Shane McClanahan did not pitch to the same caliber that Shoei Otani did. Um, Shoei Otani in fourth with seven. Valdez, five. Manoa, four. Classe, two. Yeah, no, real quick. I'm not even going to lie. I, I was really high on Valdez. I think I had him at number three or four for me. Um, I, I mean, I just liked what he, I mean, he <clears throat> really made a name, like a huge name for himself this season as um, a top pitch in the league in general. I'm I curious to see why thing. or how you guys got McClanahan to so many points. Like, who who voted McClanahan here? I, put McClanahan uh, I had him at four. I think I think has started at the start of the season and up until maybe a couple weeks after the All Star break. Brad, you were even pro Shane McClanahan. Yeah. I mean, he was definitely the most dominant pitcher in the league, and I think that everything is watered down just because of those last two or three starts. So everything doesn't look as as pretty, and, and Shohei definitely stayed more, um, I guess, more consistent through the last couple games, but. McClanahan, just you can't you can't take away everything that he had uh, at the beginning just because of a couple bad games at the end. And I know you can say that for anyone, but I think that yeah, it, Shane's dominance lasted for most of the season, and it just so happened to be rough at the end. Yeah, no, we looking at it now. Um, Tom had uh, McClanahan in third. Um, Stubbs had it in fourth, and honestly, I had him in second. Um, just again, I kind of. Um, more winged it, I think, than, you know, you guys did. But like Tom said, I think the beginning of the year played a huge um, impact for me. Looking at it now, I might have switched him, you know, second if I had flip-flop to cease. Um, but, you know, I just – he kind of carried that first half um, of the Rays, I feel like. And I, I think it was more of a him helping the team than him individually, if that makes sense. So just to get clarification, like when you're voting Cy Young MVP, Aiden, you're looking more help to the team, that type of value than just individual player value. I mean, I, I think both both play a factor, but I, I think I do think of, you know, helping the team more than, um, I guess, maybe a little more than you guys do. Um, but obviously, yeah, individual uh, plays a factor, too. It's not like it's not like 90 helps a team 10, you know, I think it's more like probably um 60 65 you know 70 ish um for individual and about anywhere from 30 to 40 for uh team yeah so with that we're going to move on to the national league Cy Young award who it's a very simple simple thing it's sandy alcantara yeah like, uh, yeah i don't think uh, clean clean sweep there yeah <laughs> clean like, sweep. Oh, yeah. He led the league in innings by over by almost 30 innings. His you mentioned ERA. His ERA, nothing spectacular. His expected ERA is FIP, you know, just sitting just under three. But it's just the simple dominance over so many innings. 
he's a classic starter. He comes out, he gives at least seven innings. He keeps you in the game. He's the Cy Young winner. He's the best pitcher in the National League. Yeah. Yeah. We we talked about the comparison between MVP and and Cy Young. If, If there was a way to say this is the most valuable pitcher, then Sandy is that guy. He, yeah. He's not a valuable pitcher, but he's a valuable, like, he's valuable to the entire team. When you can last nine innings, when you can go the full game, that is that is more useful to a team than anything. And he, he just was simply so much better. He, the, the, not even the fact that he's more dominant than all the other pitchers. It's just the fact that he could go longer. Um, you don't see that that often. And the fact that he lasted the whole season – Without many injuries, I know he had one, but he didn't. He, he he lasted a long time without any injuries like that that were severe enough to to keep him out. I don't know, you know, but like he lasted a long time and he con- was consistent throughout the whole season, pretty much, other than maybe two or three bad games. Are we good there, Stevens and Aiden? I'm good. Uh, yeah, he's, I I agree. I think he lasted a while. Um. <laughs> Uh no, right. but I definitely, I, de- I definitely, I definitely agree. Sandy Alcantara was was definitely in kind of a league of his own, um, in the National League, right? I don't think anyone in actually could even touch what he had, um, from from the start of the year to the end of the year, and um, he had a very consistent season, uh, through and through. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I think real quick, you know, if if you look at it, um. I think the fact that you know <laughs> that stuff, he's playing on Miami. Um, I know I, I know when I say um, team success goes along with it. I think this is a, a a really big one. Is he's playing on not that good of a team, um, besides the pitching, you know. So I think that he, since he was able to just go in play his game, really, um. Uh, like Tom said, last that long in Miami um, is crazy to me. And I, I think that's what, you know, gives him, you know, the boost. Well, let's reveal the simple, simple <laughs> equation. Sandy Alcantara, your National League Cy Young Award winner. And that, what I want to talk a little about here, not like Sandy Alcantara was great. This was our most spread out vote. Here's yeah. our voting distribution. <laughs> Max Freed finishes second with 13. Zach Gallon, seven. Nola, six. Edwin Diaz getting four votes. Julio Urias, four votes. Spencer Strider, three. Carlos Rodon, two. And Kyle Wright, one. Yeah, uh, real quick. I have the breakdown for Freed. It's I had him in second. Um, and then everybody else had him in third. So it kind of just boosted him up there. Um. Zach Gallon, I had him third. Tom had him in second, so it boosted him up there. And then other than that, I don't think we doubled up on any votes. Uh, Nola, we did. Diaz, we did. Urias was the yeah, same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. D- yeah, and Diaz. Diaz had two fourths. Rodon. Yeah, Diaz had two fourths. Um, so, but, like, to get to starters. it, like, I, my number two was Aaron Nola. And, like, if Santi Contra wasn't so good, I would have been tempted to vote Nola as one. Because Aaron Nola, 205 innings, quality. 
10.3 strikeouts per nine while only walking 1.2 per nine. You know, he's creating the best swing and miss and called strikes CSW percentage of all the starters with 32.4%. So 32.4% of the time he's throwing a pitch, they're looking at it or whiffing at it, which is pretty impressive. Like Aaron Nola, great season. Like he's on a Phillies team that needed it too. And on fan graphs, him and Carlos Rodon actually led the National League in war. Uh, fan graphs war, for those that don't, was actually very FIP-oriented. So that did favor it a little bit. Uh, baseball reference, I think still had it fairly similar. Baseball reference having it. Sandy Alcantara with 8.1 war. Uh, that's a little bit of a discrepancy. But Aaron Nola with 6, Max Reed with 5.9, and Carlos Rodon with 5.4. Uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, um, no, I just think Nola in particular, I think to the naked eye gets, um, what's it called, a lot of um, disrespect, um, just because if you just, if you're just going on ESPN or going on, you know, MLB, and you just look at his ERA, I mean, to that, I think it's just going to get a lot of hate. I think it was above a three. It was a two seven four. Oh, two seven four. Okay, so it's, I mean, no, it's no, no, sorry, that was his expected. His ERA was a three two five. His expected was a two seven four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, you know, I think to the naked eye, it is um, you know, I think he will get um overlooked. But uh, we kind of threw this out for Shohei. Um, is the defense behind him? Um. The Phillies are known, you know, for not having um, the best defense or, um, I guess, the fastest defense. You know, you have Bohm at third, who's, you know, hit or miss. Um, I mean, none of the guys are really star defenders. So I, I think that I think that plays um, a little bit of a factor into Nola. But I, no, Nola had a great season. And then, Stevs, you went with Kyle Wright getting a vote. Okay. What was your thought there? So my thought process behind – so I, I did not I – I had no idea who I wanted to go for five. I, I, had, I had no idea. I was looking. I was looking through, through their stats, looking through everything. And he, he, had, a, he had an okay year. had a 319 ERA, um, over 180.1 innings pitched, right? Which, not terrible. Not good either. But – I. I was just looking and a lot of people uh, I was looking and a lot of people had him on their, their votes. Like they had him high, they had him, um, they had him like third and stuff like that. And I didn't really understand it. Um, but I, I had no idea who I wanted to put at five. And so that's why I went with Kyle. Right. I just think that, I think the Braves starting rotation is just, is just so good. You couldn't, you couldn't go wrong picking any, anyone from their starting rotation. Okay. And then, Tom, where did you fall in, like, your, your middle of the range, two to four? So, I picked Gallon um, for number two. Just that that run that he went on, I, I don't know if you guys watched those games, but he was just so locked in. And, Brad, I know you're a Zach Gallon oh, yeah. uh, lover. I, I, I watched that pitch. I didn't really – I haven't watched that much of Zach Allen pitching, surprisingly, for being in the NL West. But I started to watch you pitch during that run. Um, I like this guy. I, I really like this guy. He, he really can pitch. Like, he can he can shut people down. And he did for – what was it, like 
something 50 innings 52 innings uh 48 something around so I'm like yeah that's what it is and then I I put Freed Nolan Strider um as my three four and five um honestly I think that Nolan Freed are should be switched I don't know why I put Freed above Nola um but Nola should be three um the fact that Freed Strider and Wright are all on this all on this is a little concerning um just because the analyst that, that that Braves starting rotation is crazy. Um, but I think you have to include Spencer Strider and uh, in the NL uh, Cy Young just because he's so young and he's also shutting down batters so well. The one thing that like turned me off of him was the innings. He only threw 130 innings. So that's yeah, kind of so why I was against him. But um, time, he still has just as many strikeouts as most of these guys. Oh, yeah, is, definitely. Which is which just shows the dominance in those innings, and I think if you can if you can match the counting stats in less time, I think that it honestly is more more even more impressive. I think if you try and adjust for innings, then you'll see that Strider is. That's also a question of like, what are you voting for there? Are you voting for the most valuable pitcher award or the best pitcher award? Because yeah. The best pitcher mm. award, Spencer Strider, would probably fall in my top five. But I'm voting the most valuable, and that was Sandy Alcantara. And that's, that's why true. I'm on that Aaron Nola train. That's why I'm on the Max Freed train. And that's why I also had Edwin Diaz in there. Like, Edwin Diaz and Carlos Rodon are my four or five. Because they had, like, Carlos Rodon was the best pitcher on the Giants starting rotation this year. Um, and he was just consistently, like, pounding the zone. He's going to make himself some nice money this offseason. And yeah. Edwin Diaz... Like, I, I'm not the biggest FIP person, but his was sub one. He had a sub one FIP. He struck out 17 batters per nine innings. Yeah, like, that was definitely for closer seasons. And yet still, I think that I would prefer having um, Class A over, over Diaz. And I know I'm a Class A fanboy, but I, I've watched both of them pitch and I – would definitely feel more comfortable with Class A on the mound. This idea, even in such a dominant season, midway through started looking a little bit more shaky, and a little bit not like. A- yeah, no, and and here, here's a, a quick question. Also, I, I had Gallon third um, third place. I like him, and he's an interesting uh, person this off season to watch. Where maybe he possibly gets dealt. I don't know what Arizona's doing. Yes, um, what? Uh, well, I I could if if somebody offers if somebody offers Arizona. An amazing package. I could see them, you know, taking it. Personally. No, no. Arizona's on. Arizona's on the brink of becoming a dominant team. With we've the, with discussed the... about them possibly finishing second next year. Yeah, second in the NL West. They're a fantastic team. They got Corbin Carroll, Alec Thomas, Cattell Martin. I, I, I could see it. I could second. see it. I couldn't see him leading second over the Padres, but that's that's for another podcast. Yeah, and, and uh, yeah, I think the Giants are gonna uh, be. Good. I, I still see them. Anyways, um, do you think walkout music played a difference in Edwin Diaz this season? No. Like, like, do you think he kind of got behind? No, I like, just think people got behind him because of that. I think. Yeah, but I think maybe in a way because he's feeding off the energy from the the stadium. Yeah, I guess I could. I All could. Right. See Anyways, let, let, Anyways, let's let's get to MVPs. Yeah. All right, kicking it off. With the American League MVP. It's, again, two people at the top. He, the, here's the thing. Shohei Otani 
if he has the type of season he's had the past two years, will be the MVP. The only way to beat Shohei Otani is to have a historic season. <laughs> to what degree did Aaron Judge meet that historic season? I think that's. I think he crossed. I the think line. it's. I think it's self-explanatory. In all honesty, I, I think. I, I think. Yeah, I think hitting this many home runs in this day and age, the the pitchers over time are becoming more and more competitive. It's better. It's, it's like that's that's you can compare to to like a, a historic stat just because the pitching that the batters are facing now is leagues harder than the last person to do. It. I mean, Roger Maris. Hit hit sixty five no sixty sixty one sorry sorry sixty one against against pitchers that were not nearly as built as they are today and the way that pitching mechanics has changed has allowed for more spin and faster fastballs and that's something that is so much harder to hit and what we're seeing that now um, and the fact that he's done day and age is is something that is should be recognized for, for the MVP award. I, I yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, just breaking the record, he did. Um, and we should definitely go into this in another podcast. But you know, then you have um Tom. I know you're a Giants fan, and you have um Barry Bonds with the uh, NL uh, yeah. record. Um, so I think it's interesting to see how people. Um, I I know a lot of people are actually not giving him credit for holding the record, even though he's holding the AL record. Um, people seem to not care that he did this, this, and that because Bonds did, you know, what, 73? Three, was it? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I mean, no, but I, 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 think, I think it's hands down. Well, I, I I guess maybe we shouldn't go off of Twitter because Twitter's Twitter. But uh, I think we all four hands down had the same one, two, and three, it looks like. Yep. So, in the Otani debate, right, he was a little bit worse offensively this year. Like, still top 10 in the league in OPS. I'm not the biggest fan of OPS, but it's a good way. Like, you get a good idea by looking at OPS, whether someone was good or not. Yes, I agree with that. His pitching was fantastic. I voted for him for number one in the Cy Young Award. And I think after, like, discussing it, you guys can kind of see where I'm coming from. Like, he was so good pitching that it took breaking the American league home run record, having the highest home run plus of all time, comparing the amount of home runs you hit to league average. Aaron judge, he, he did it. He had the season that was good enough to break Shohei Otani's MVP possibility. And so that gives us the American league MVP, Aaron judge, Congratulations. I I also think with Shohei though, Shohei is gonna be here uh, for the next five you know plus years. It's just it, assuming you know, and hopefully not, but assuming he doesn't get injured. I mean, with the with the pitching he has and the hitting he has, uh, you know, can he? Hopefully, he can keep it up because that'd be so good for baseball. But he'll be here year after year after year, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him bring you know in the next three years, maybe back to back or back to back to back, um, MVPs. All right, all right. So before before we even go into this, I want to just first recap this uh, for the viewers that are not watching the video. We got Aaron Judge at twenty votes, Shohei at sixteen, Jordan Alvarez at twelve, 
Jose Altuve at three, Mike Trout at three, Jose Ramirez at three, and Rafael Devers at two. And there is one here that is not like the others. Um, <laughs> really, okay. Uh, I'll just take a moment to uh, point and laugh. We have Andres Jimenez. <laughs> I don't think you should be pointing I, and laughing. I, I don't think like, if you no. read this in order of good season, that's where he falls. It just I, I, that's really, not a top. I don't think I don't think you can even say that. I think that everyone here is two steps above Andres Jimenez is a star. If you read the best eight players yeah, in the American yeah, League, best eight it players goes in, AL, in this order. I, yeah, I think if you read the best eight players in the obviously, obviously it's not okay. Yes, I'm the one who chose Jimenez this stat, and I'll get into you know why in a minute, but. If you if you look at the best eight players, like Brad just said, in the AL, you go Judge, Otani, Alves, Altuve, Trout, Ramirez, Devers, and those Altuve, Trout, Ramirez, you know, blah blah blah. They can be switched yeah, around. Yeah, um, Devers, and then you have Jimenez, and I think Jimenez is, I mean, at yeah, eight, I think, yeah, yeah, just this season. Um, now going into why I picked him, honestly, um. I didn't put too much research into it. I knew he, had, I knew he was having a monster season. Um, just for my brain, I was at work when I made these picks. Um, and I'm gonna be quite frank. Um, and I may or may not have looked at uh, CBS's picks. Um, and they also had him at five. And um, since I kind of knew what you know he was doing this season, uh, Jimenez, you know what Jimenez was doing this season. Um, I just stuck him in at five, but I I think I'm just you know trying to give him credit because he did have an an awesome season. I mean, there's definitely like there is a point that he had a good season, and he would fall in my top ten. Yeah, it's just he is not yeah. a top five player in the American yeah. League this year. I I don't even think I I'm gonna argue with this just for a second. I don't want this to go on for too long, but I can argue Corey Seager's better, Xander Bogarts is better. I would even say I can even argue I'll that Bogarts. I don't think I don't think Seager had a better season than the Menaces. I don't think Bogarts I, did either. Bogart Bogarts, I could give you an argument, but uh, Jimenez had a really good season. I think Podcast you're, you're idea. controversy topics. Okay, let me just do this real quick. Andres Jimenez, three sixty four woba. On or Xander Bogarts, three sixty three. Andres Jimenez, hundred forty. What rated runs created plus. Xander Bogarts one thirty four, offensive value even at two at twenty eight point seven. Defense Andres Jimenez by three. War wash, win probability added. Andres Jimenez four point three six. Xander Bogarts point nine eight. Runs created produced based on the uh, twenty four base outcome. So basically, remember when I mentioned Woba? How there is like the run values per. Based on the possibilities of the base pass, like nobody on, nobody out, we're on second, two outs. Andres Jimenez produced 32.46 runs. Xander Borges produced 19.61. Yeah, I mean, check out. There's I mean, definitely a case, though, Tom. Uh, not a top, not a top five case. Uh, I what Aiden was on when he made the list is is probably something everyone needs to be on, but it. There's a case trust that me, he is top trust 10. Me, trust me, no, it's not. No, it's not. There's a case that he's top 10. There's a case that he's a top 10 player. But um, I want to I wanna step in here for a second. And I think we're really 
I had I had Devers. I'm the I'm I'm the lone Devers guy. I had him at, I had him at four. Um, and I think we don't talk about Raphael Devers' season. He played very well this season, and no one's really talking about it because of how bad the Red Sox were and how well uh, underwhelming would... they were. But yeah, I would say I would say Bogarts was the best hitter in baseball up until he, when he got. Got injured when he got injured he came back and went like one for 50 after that and from then on he was a good hitter but not the best and i feel like he started the season off so hot i mean he was batting like 350 but when that injury came around and he came back it seemed like everything seemed to fall apart for him and i was re- i was really paying attention to him with during that period but when he came back after that injury it was just not the same so uh, for that reason, I think there's better players, and I think we're also downplaying the the season Jose Altuve has had. Honestly, um, even after all the allegations and everything, he's still continuing to dominate. Sure. All right. Um, <clears throat> now we have a winner. We have a breakdown. Moving on to the one and only National League MVP, and I think this one is not as clear, but pretty clear. I think this one was more just people had career years. This wasn't like there was one outstanding one. There were just some good players in the National League. Um, Funny enough, three of my top six or so would be third baseman. Um, I think the Mm -hmm. third baseman in basically all of the major leagues they just, just a good position. You got Machado Arenado, you got Austin Riley, you got Jose Ramirez, you got Rafael Devers, you got Alex Bregman. Like, I'm not even listing all of them. Like, that's just, yeah, that's probably the most stacked position off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a testament to the fact that they're playing good defense and they're hitting pretty well. Like, Manny Machado. Nolan Arenado, they were in my top five. Yeah. Um, like they're just—it's good baseball coming from the third base position, and we got two first basemen in my top five as well. You got Freddie Freeman and Paul Goldschmidt. Um, yeah. The corner infields running this uh, NL MVP. Yeah. Um, where right. did you guys fall? Like, what what led you to pick? The guy you picked. Well, you gonna start us off? Yeah, no, uh, real fast. We all had, uh, <clears throat> we all had the same first place for the NL MVP. Um, but with that being said, I just a dominant season really, um, year round. I think you start. He started obviously, possibly one of the hottest starts. In, I mean, in MLB that we've seen in forever. Um, and then he's, I feel like, Brad, correct me if I'm wrong, he slowed down a bit, obviously, because if he kept that going, that would have been a historic season. Um, but he slowed down um, a bit, especially towards the end. Um, and in the playoffs, he was um, basically invisible. I mean, um, the whole Cardinals offense is invisible in the playoffs. <laughs> But no, I just I mean, Tom, you want you want to take this hand off because um, we all had the same person. But I mean, yeah. he was just I think I think just the beginning of the season, 
kind of set him up that he would have had to do something awful in the second half of him not to win this. Yeah, and it's honestly one of the the least interesting MVPs I've seen. Um, you know, you really like seeing, like, flashy Fair. players. But, I mean, a first baseman, Goldschmidt, he just was consistently the best hitter in the league. Um, and I believe me and Brad had similar top five. Brad, correct me if I'm right, but did you have Goldschmidt, Machado, Arenado, Sandy, Alcantara, and Freeman in no particular order in your top five? Those were my top five, yeah. Yeah, we had the same top five. I don't know if we have the same order. because I don't. just read randomly but um it seems like we're all relatively on the same page for this one um but says give me your top five and then we can get into the actual ordering so i had i had goldschmidt um i actually had freeman over aeronaut or er, over machado um because i just thought i thought freeman had a really good year but it's just kind of like freeman always it's, it's freddie freeman he always has a good year right even even in dodgers blue he's gonna have a good season he's freddie freeman um, but I think, I think he had a better season than Machado did. So I voted him over Machado. Um, and then I had Arenado and Trey Turner to finish out probably a little bit of bias at the end there, but what are you going to do? I mean, Trey Turner, like the thing with him is he's going to, he didn't grade out defensively fantastically this year. Um, we saw in the postseason, this doesn't count towards his voting, but we saw in the postseason, like he really didn't make a couple of really big errors. And that kind of happened all year. He even tried at one point to just position himself differently to appeal the defensive run saved, which is like, it is determined by one person. Like a defensive run saved is like someone's watching it like, oh, he saved a run. There's a defensive run saved. But it grades better based on where you stand. Trey Turner has the speed. Like he runs the bases so well. And it's just such an advantage because of his speed. Like he's beating out more infield singles than almost anyone in the league besides Bobby Witt. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm ready to see the answer for this one. It might not be a shocking one, but I'm ready to see the actual point scoring here. Um. So we had Paul Goldschmidt. Paul Goldschmidt <laughs> won the National League MVP. And it's so underwhelming. Yeah. Like it really is. Or it's just it's just a really boring one. I mean, you really like watching flashy gloves, stolen bases, what? you know. But this guy was just 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 the slugging is crazy this season. Um, and he just continued that the whole time. On both Ooh. baseball reference and fan graphs, Machado or excuse me, not Machado, Arenado and Goldschmidt were like neck and neck in war. Arenado seven point three to Goldschmidt seven point one on fan graphs. But on baseball reference, 7.9 Arenado to 7.8 Goldschmidt. And I didn't want to let War tell the full story of what I thought my my vote was going to be. And Goldschmidt's offense was a lot better than Nolan Arenado's. And I think that it really came down to the fact that the Cardinals' offense wouldn't have been what it would have been if Paul Goldschmidt, or what it was, had Paul Goldschmidt not been doing what he did. When was the last time we had two players on the same team? And I and I'm I mean this could very easily be you know what, um, MLB puts out. But let's just say it is, and it actually is Goldschmidt Arenado. When was the last time we had two, one two on the same team? Um, trying to think. I mean, we had the rookie of the year today was Strider and Harris. Oh um, well, yeah, I'm but I'm talking about like MVP, you know, like I feel like Wikipedia is 
obviously impressive to have uh, two. But... I could not tell you that off the top of my head. Yeah. Like, it's, it's I, a I very think, impressive feat yeah, for a team impressive. to have that. And yeah, then, I think, and then and then they both went on uh, milk uh, milk cartons to begin the playoffs. I mean, yeah. for the entire playoffs. <laughs> I mean, Arenado, known to be more of a streaky player, I feel like I feel like Arenado's highs are way higher than Goldschmidt's regular, but Goldschmidt stays the same. I mean, Arenado is someone that won Player of the Month twice this year. You don't see that that often. You don't see someone win Player of the Month twice, other than Aaron Judge, obviously, but. He, who actually won three times, but still, he, he's very streaky. He would go dormant for a month and then come back and be absolutely dominant. And I think if Arenado had the consistency of Goldschmidt, it would be no question Arenado MVP. But Goldschmidt is able to just – and I, I, I saw an interview with Goldschmidt. He literally does not check his stats. He doesn't, he doesn't go on the internet. I don't know what he does for fun, but he doesn't do that stuff. He doesn't know what his stats are. So I don't well, even know if – COVID vaccines. Watch his paint job. That too. He, he literally – does not know what he's doing. And I think that also helps him mentally prepare for games because he's not worried about anything. But it seems like Arenado is a lot more stress-oriented, I guess. I mean, he's someone that that is a lot more streaky. You know, you, you look at streaks. Arenado went on two huge streaks this year and then disappeared for two months as well, while Goldschmidt, I think, was over 300 every month. It, it, it's all about consistency, and that's what won this MVP for for Goldschmidt here. And Aiden, to answer your question earlier, uh, the last two teammates to finish first and second in the MVP race was Jeff Kent and Barry Bonds in 2000. <laughs> That's why wow. he's 22 years ago. And uh, another question, what did that uh, 2000 Giants team do? Uh, uh, I don't remember. Hey, Probably hey, nothing important. Back. World Series was Mets Yankees that year, so so yeah, I guess maybe it's not good to have two in the top uh, two, one, two. I, mean, I would take two MVPs on my <laughs> I team. Would, I would bad, take two MVPs. Bad juju. Bad no, juju. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's whether you have a supporting cast around them, and the Cardinals really did on the defensive side and in their bullpen. But at the end of the day, their starting rotation just wasn't top tier. Like you had. You started Jose Quintana in a playoff game. Like, he pitched pretty good in that game, too. He went five and a third scoreless. It's just, he was not who you want to be starting in a postseason game. Yeah. Well, I mean, that wraps up everything, right? So, I mean, for the most part, I think we agreed on the correct player, I unless we're talking about NL Cy Young, which was absolutely chaotic. It seems like we're all relatively on the same page. Um, yeah. Just to recap, I think we all agreed on Judge for AL MVP, Goldschmidt for NL MVP, uh, Justin Verlander for AL Cy Young, Sandy Alcantara for uh, NL We Cy did not agree on Verlander, sir. We didn't well, agree, so, but that was who ended up winning. Okay, so, yes. okay. That's, that's what I'm saying, yeah. Uh, <laughs> AL Rookie of the Year was voted for Julio Rodriguez. NL was Strider. Uh, AL was Hyde and NL was Rob Thompson, correct? That is yes. correct. All right. So thank you guys for joining us today. Uh, if you like this style of podcast with the PowerPoint or the visuals that kind of like guide us through, let us know. Give us some feedback. Let us know on Instagram. You can follow us at the 4A podcast. Follow us on YouTube where this will be live. You have our faces for the first time. You have our visuals. Thank you all for listening. Have a great one. Goodbye.